This is the South African Composer Archive. Uh, my next guest, you will know him for his collaborations with Anna Carstens and De Antwoord. You will know him for uh, work with groups such as Ensemble Bossolino and Songololo and The Basement. Uh, you will know him for his soundtracks to films such as Regression and I Was a Greenhouse. You will also know him for soundtracks for stage work such as Animals, Anansi, An African Fairy Tale and Faust. I am very happy to have here to speak to via Skype from I think Spain. Um, we have singer, multi-instrumentalist, conductor, composer, songwriter, Timon Vapenar. Thank you for doing this this morning. That's um, well, a great pleasure. Thanks for having me with you. Awesome. Um, so I don't usually do monologues at the beginning. It's been a while since I've done one, but I do feel that having you on I need to make this public, as it were. There are two very defining moments in my musical career which were very directly response, uh, in response to something that you did. The one was as when I was in either in matric or in Standard 9, I'm not 100% certain, I want to say 2000, 2001, I was sitting in the audience at the Baxter and I heard a performance of your viola and harpsichord sonata, um, which I think at the time was called To Dare. I don't know if, if that subtitle's been dropped. We'll, we'll get into the title later. I did actually change the title. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and it had such a strong impact on me to the point where I was genuinely, genuinely excited about the prospect of uh, studying composition and uh pursuing a path in studying music it, it was just i had such it had such an impact on me and like instantly fell in love with the piece there was just a lot about it that really sort of opened my eyes as it were the other moment is when i have very strong memories of us chatting outside of uh the alma fata and standing on the steps and you telling me about having just come back from Amsterdam, I think. And you had yeah. seen a couple of ensembles there and there was something you said to me about like, yeah, there was a chamber group that was playing electronic dance music. And yeah. at the time, I think I was still very much like, well, it doesn't sound like Schubert, so I don't understand. But this is how classical music is meant to be. And I remember saying something to you like, but like, why would one want to do something like that? And you were, I can't remember the exact words but it was sort of like why the fuck would you not want to do something like that like that that's really really cool and if i look at kind of like the 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 stuff that i've been writing in the last five years at any rate there was definitely a seed that was planted through that conversation so anyway i thought i'd just bring this up as to like how influential you have been on this oh, stuff dude, that well, that, I, you know, thanks a lot that's that's immensely um, flattering especially coming from someone who has like a serious output like you do i mean like well, thank I'm following you. what you're doing and and it's it's it, really it's impressive Mateus. thank impressive. you anyway so all this aside now that we've related each other uh <laughs> i got mine that was, so, that was nice <laughs> yeah do that again <laughs> The other the other moment that I have very strong uh, memories of is when we were desk partners uh, for uh, UCTSO and playing uh, it was the the Italian symphony the Mendelssohn yeah. and the last movement going it's such a fucking lick that I I turned to you when we were having uh, when we were standing to bow and I said you know was it good for you and <laughs> your comment was like what do you mean it was over before it started. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, 
<laughs> so, as the yeah. drilling and, and such goes on outside, let's jump into the gauntlet of questions, as it were. Who or what inspired you to music? Well, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, and I think this is something you'll you'll understand, is it was my father. My father was a, mus- was, was a musician. He was a, was, a, was a very very strange situation. He was a classical saxophonist. Okay. Not yeah. many of those around, I think. Well, uh, no, they're... they're but uh, he actually, for a while, had a, a running gig with, with what used to be the SABC Orchestra. So whenever they did Prokofiev or, or Ravel or, or anything you know big in French that, that called for a, a, a sax that, part, yeah. they, would, they would give him a call. You play quite a lot of instruments. I mean, would, would you say like violin is sort of your first instruments or...? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I... I Actually, I, I've only been trained on the violin. The rest of them, I just fart around. Right. I mean, there's definitely, from what I've heard of your stuff, there's definitely a love for harpsichord. But I mean, we can we can get into that when we start talking about a bit about, about the pieces a bit more. But yeah. when did you kind of start composing, deciding like, well, you want to write something? Jesus, uh, you know. Phew. Uh, I, I don't know. Was I twelve? Was I thirteen? I can't. I can't actually remember. Right. But I. I just. You know. It's like it, it seemed to be absolutely natural that I would. You know. Because what I was. What I would be doing is like. You know. Fucking around on the piano. And because I wasn't taking piano lessons, what happened was no one was putting a score in front of me, which means that you you just start inventing your own music. You know. I, I can't. I can't remember when. Do you sort of remember what your first kind of pieces were that you wrote? The first compositions that I actually put down on paper, they were for string ensemble. In Yeah, it was string ensemble. Well, it was actually, it ended up being like a quartet. <clears throat> I think I might still have them, actually. I can't remember how old I was. I was, I, was, I don't know, 13, 14, something like that. So, I mean, you definitely, as mentioned, you know, at UCT and such, you studied uh, composition formally. What, uh, did you carry on studying it overseas? Did you, what did you do once you were done there? Well, basically, when, once I finished UCT, and, and it was like my, my whole degree was, it actually, it ended up as a, as what the Irish would call a palaver. They would, they would say it was a palaver. I remember <laughs> the end of it, uh, Mornay Zeidenhout came up to me, and he, he said to me, it is with a great sigh of relief that the committee has decided to grant you your degree. Jesus. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they were glad to be shot at me at the end. I, I, I dragged the thing out, and it was it was a bit fraught. Uh, and after that, I just you know I just like I didn't want to study anymore. So no, I, no, no. I, I, uh, I came up to Joburg, and I started working with the youth orchestra in Joburg. There is this sort of connected. I remember a reading somewhere that you did things sort of like the basement, which was uh, a uh, like a power double bass group. This was all yeah. around that time. Yes, because you know, if you have if you have a couple of double basses, the natural thing to do is to put them in a room and uh, <laughs> to to arrange music for them. Of course, yeah. Yes, uh, you know, like twelve double basses. That was that was great. It was a lot of fun. We did a show at the at the which theater the the one in Joburg the the Joburg. Theater. 
don't know. No, no, the, the one in, in Newtown. Um, the famous one in Newtown. The famous Joburg Theatre. No, can can you tell I've been out of South Africa for, for almost 10 years now? God, has it been um, Yeah, so, so anyway, but, but like 12 double basses, dude. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it sounded like a pod of, of uh, southern right whales, you know, passing by the, the, the lighthouse. This is like sort of fuck you, Berlin cellists. Like this is how yeah, you do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah. No, it was it was great because we had we had six we had six jazz double bassists and six classical double bassists. Right. <laughs> And we had this we had this kind of really really interesting meeting of people who are score bound and people who really like reading a score is like well we had some some of the jazz dudes were like they'd, they'd come out of a jazz program at a university but some of them just you know like not hey right. absolutely not right so it was it was really it was it was actually a really really nice gig that I really enjoyed it That's, yeah that that sounds fucking awesome actually <laughs> it is just that. Yeah, why why not? Definitely. So when you started out, what was the first time anyone asked you to write something, be it sort of like a paid commission or just for the sake of writing something for a group? I'm trying to remember that now. Oh, you know what that was? That was probably the the Mac McKenzie Symphony. Right. I do recall yeah. I recall you would have still been a student at the time, weren't you? I was. Yeah. And, and, and what, uh, that that actually, I was able to pay for a year of university. Uh, right. Thanks to thanks to that thing. And basically, what happened was, I was I was busy. How did I meet meet Mac? I think no, I met Mac because of through Rian Milan, uh, and I'd been doing you know collaborating with Rian Milan as kind of his like violinist side man. Okay. And the, and we we were, we got involved with a with a, a Cape Choir called the Continentals, and Mac McKenzie was playing guitar, and so we got to know Mac through there. And then Mac got it; he scored some connection with the the Cape Phil, and then they they decided that they were going to commission Mac to do a symphony, for which I was I was going to be orchestrator. So the, what this what this was, but it's, it's like orchestrator in in using capital O actually, because there was you know you can imagine uh, Mac was basically playing me stuff. There was some of it was written down, and then he would just say to me like, "Make it sound like that." Okay. And what came out was well, I, I, unfortunately, I never got to hear it because when they when they ran through it, I, I, I you know I had to take a gig. It, it, it was at the same time as Gra the Grahamstown Festival, so I, I found myself in Grahamstown when they ran through it. But that was deep sixed uh, once again for academic reasons because uh, the committee decided that it did not conform to the academic de definition of a symphony. Good God! Yeah. What? The, the, this is this is the committee uh, connected to UCT or connected to the orchestra? I'm not naming names. Okay. It was a committee. The committee. Holy the committee shit. decided that it was just not going to be lacquer. And it may have been for musical reasons. I don't know. I, I probably would have would have felt a lot better if someone said to me, "Like, uh, dude, this is this is actually it's 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 not lacquer. I, you know, I, I just don't like it. I don't like the way it sounds. Right. I, would have, I would have been happier with that Jesus. than with. Well, it, it it's actually not you know technically a symphony, and Good. therefore we cannot. God. But that's the story I've heard from Mac anyway. Right, right, right. I'm wondering because I I know I played. 
a Gummer Symphony. Would it have been that? I mean, I remember he then started his own kind of yeah. orchestra, and I I played I think yeah. for like two of those. And big up to him, you know, like like you know, some dude sh- you know shuts you down for academic reasons. Well, you know, screw them. I'm gonna do this. I'm, yes. I'm gonna put my my shoulder to the the wheel, and and we're just gonna we're gonna do this thing. And he did it. Yeah. Uh, and I think I, I'm not sure which score he used uh, for the first one. Right. I don't know actually i'd be curious because i i mean i yeah i definitely played on on the very very first one i'd I'd be curious to see how much of that was still that or if it was like a newer work that he'd written for specifically for the size of that group or something like that 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 (laughs) that is that's insane that's absolutely insane yeah, yeah. You, gotta, you gotta think i mean it's like it's 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 difficult it's difficult you, you programming a new work i i think i think it you know i think they could have programmed it without a, without a much of a hassle i, I didn't see any it, it would have been great to hear the capeful with mac mckenzie out front with his little amp and his yeah. his, his guitar i think it would have been nice uh i, I didn't really understand why yeah. Hectic. So, I mean, thinking of, uh, like, around that time, I know you were, and, and, like, I might be getting the pronunciation wrong here, because I was looking at it going, like, is this actually how it's pronounced, Songololo, or is it, is it Shongololo? It was Shongololo. It was Shongololo, no? yeah. So, at, at the time, when we, when we were students, you were very involved with that as well. I remember it was you and Bram the Toy, and I think Adrian Moore was part of it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how did that come about, actually? Well, that was basically Bram's baby, and it was just, you know, he got it into his head, he wanted to start a choir. And so he, he got a whole lot of people together in the room, and we started singing. And we, we sang his stuff, we sang Adrian's stuff. At the time, uh, the guy I'm still in contact with, actually, Carlos Macaya, He's a Costa Rican composer. We did some of his stuff. He was studying his masters at UCT at the time. And we, you know, we also did uh, one of your dad's pieces. We did, right, uh, Horizons. I, I remember Horizons being done yeah, at, Horizons, yeah. at one of the lunch hour concerts, I think. Yeah, we also did Hendrik Hofmeyer and we also did, uh, did we do any Klatzer? I'm, I can't I remember. Know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting to see though. Like, I don't know. Look, I I will admit I'm not completely with my finger on on the pulse, but I try and keep it as close to the pulse as possible. But just sort of like what kind of ensembles have been created by students uh, at the university, and I know of like Compost and Stanbosch as an example. But like, I'm not aware of anything like that happening at, at UCT. Uh, which is a real oh. pity. I think, like, I mean, at the time, I still remember writing something for you guys, and, like, it was really bad, so I'm glad you guys didn't do it in the end. But the point is that it was nice that there was this sort of existing thing where you could, as a, as a young composer, kind of go, like, I've, I've got me, me, like, something, please. Like, I don't they and it, yeah, no, it's a pity. Absolutely necessary. I think, I think you know, one of, one of the great things about a university situation is that, you know, theoretically, at least, you, sh- you should have have opportunities to have your music played and heard which which actually happened at uct and for which i'm grateful but yeah you you, you got a great point the, the the student ensembles they they have a different they have a different vibe because people are actually meeting with the intention of playing new music or yeah. singing new music i remember at one point posting something on on facebook 
very aware of the situation, but sort of saying, like, innocently, like, why doesn't this not exist at UCT? And one student was like, I'll do it. And, like, there was talk of it, and I don't know if anything then came from it. But it it is a very important kind of... Like, you're in that environment. You're surrounded by like-minded people who (laughs) want to get drunk and, and busk through music. So, like, fuck it. Like, then put a concert on of it if it makes sense yeah um, and, and one really has to ask the question why it doesn't occur uh if you you know why it, why it doesn't just naturally occur yeah. uh in the jazz program like i'm pretty sure guys get together and form ensembles yeah it it, it goes within the, the the language of the music that guys should get together and, and play together but you know what i think uh and i, I might be i might be this might be a bit of a, a guess on my part, but I think that guys are, are just, they're very pressured with, as regards to time, especially studying classical music. You're studying your instrument. You've got like a mountain of harmony and counterpoint and history and all of your academic stuff. And there's just practicing an instrument takes hours and hours and hours just to keep on top of your repertoire. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the symphony orchestra and then you've got your chamber music and then you've got the string ensemble. Now that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um... But one ensemble that I do remember was the Butcher Boys. I don't think I recall that. For, where Was this when we were there? That was my second or third year. That was okay. your brother right. and Waldo and Eddie. Okay. And who was on second violin? Uh, uh, yeah, they formed a string quartet and they they played new music. It was, oh, it was really nice. Mean Santonga? It was, no, they, they called was... themselves the Butcher Boys and then, and then it kind of morphed into that. Okay. I don't, I don't recall that at all. That, that's, I think that must have been very much like more at the university. Um, yeah, it was yeah. A- absolutely at the university. Right, right, right. So one of the things that I like doing here, we talk about sort of old examples of works and uh, we were saying, mentioning Shongololo, the piece that you suggested or that you sent me is the three chansons. I've actually always been very interested in the in the history of music and i was i was listening to a lot of medieval music and there's there was a great recording at the in the music library of these guys singing 13th 14th century what they they call ars nova secular music and there were a couple of songs with lyrics written by this guy solange who was a composer in paris in the 14th century and the story goes that this dude and his buddies used to to get together at his place and smoke hashish and write music and sing music. Which and, and at the time, you know, like you know, what was I? First, second year of university. Like, fuck, this was amazing. This is like these dudes in 14th century France, France, <laughs> getting getting ripped and, and making rock and roll. And so, and the and the lyrics were quite interesting. They were quite weird. And so we started doing Shangalolo, and I thought, well. These are great lyrics, and I'll I'll, I'll write them. Um, the first the first is a guy who's kind of a, a wanderer, a traveler, and the song talks about him wandering. And then the second is is a smoker's song. It describes smoking and the way in which the smokes the smoke moves and the way in which it makes you feel. And then the third one was a, a hymn to music, specifically Pythagoras, and I thought that they, they worked together well as a set.
they're very beautiful. It, there's something of your sound world. It 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 just feels like very you. Even even as like an older work, I don't know if that that probably sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. It's just no, no. It's some, a great something... compliment. I, you know, like I couldn't I couldn't have asked for for a better compliment than that. It's... Which actually, now that I think about it, sounds enormously self important that I sound like myself. No, but it's, compliment. it it is that kind of like that blend of the old and the new is just I. I don't know, I, I associate that with you very strongly. I think it's again also sort of going back to that harpsichord viola piece, where it's sort of like what you're writing with the instrumentation that you have. I don't know, it, it's also like, I mean, when talking about animals and stuff like that, it's that combination of like, you know, the, the Baroque with the 8-bit, you know, it's just that sort yeah. of, it, it just, yeah, it feels very you, it's, it's a, a very cool sound world. Um, well, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> What is your process? How do you put something together? I, I, you know, how I work is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, give you all my secrets here. I leave it until the last minute and then I just fucking right. do it. I have no idea. How, how do I work? Uh, do you sketch it all or do you just jump straight in? It, it depends, actually. I've got things that, that I go back and I, I, I rework and I edit and I... I end up sketching, and but basically it's a bar by bar struggle actually. Right. Where you get you get the thing done, you have a kind of an idea, right? And you have this this concept, but it's a general. It's it's like a, a shadow, you know. It's like the whole piece you see, and then you kind of have to pull it into existence. But it, for with for me, it's a bar by bar thing. Like I start in bar one, and then maybe a, a, a you know. A, it's, I don't think it's very common, but maybe, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll think, you know, oh, this would be a nice thing to do 30 bars down the line or, you know, at the climax right. or, you know, but ah, no, not really. I actually do things bar by bar. I sometimes find, like, I, I think I work very similarly that sort of I will have a couple of ideas or points that I want to sort of match up with or line up with. I'm currently uh, finishing a work or I think the the plan once I'm I'm finished chatting to you is to basically write the coda of this thing. And the, the frustration is that I have this idea, but practically it would involve having the the one player leaping to another instrument, which would then, like, while I'm winding down, would then set up, like, okay, well, I'm starting something again that I have two minutes to play with. So, yeah, it, it is that frustration of having ideas of, like, this is what I want to do, but it's just like, fuck, this is not going to work. <laughs> like, I just, I can't quite squeeze it together enough. You know, people people have strange ideas when it comes to music and and very often they they just they don't understand what it actually entails and and specifically the creation of music which which uh 
it's it's not like writing a novel in the sense that you actually have to get other people to do something. <laughs> yes. You know, it's I think it's a lot closer to theater. Yeah. Yeah. I but I think it it's also with with the it being closer to theater, I think people don't take advantage of it being closer to theater enough. I think there is like I don't know, I still sometimes write thinking like, well, I, I write from a, this will be on a disc or like a, an audio, you will listen to it online kind of perspective. But there's so much more that you can do with the medium, as you say, that like as a theatre work, in inverted commas, to, to present something. Um, so, I mean, when you, when you write, do you, you, are you sort of like a coffeehouse uh, composer? Do you sit at home? I sit at home, yeah. yeah. I, I, use, I use the computer, I sit at home. So, I've got my, my little spot and, and, and I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy sitting at home and writing music. It's, yeah, I, I've, uh, more and more the last year, I inherited a bed desk and uh, I, there was a tweet I saw recently talking about there was some kind of like new fancy bed desk which has, you know, built-in speakers and whatever which you can slide over your bed. And one of the compo- one of the, the comments was like, oh, great. Like, if you want crippling anxiety and depression, I highly recommend this to you. It's just like, oh, wait, I, I think I'm understanding my mindset now. I have been writing from bed for the last, like, year and a half. It's like, hmm, maybe, maybe I need to rethink this. So, I mean, we spoke a little bit about sort of the, the combining of, like, the old worlds and in inverted commas with the newer who would you consider, or who or what would you consider to be your biggest musical influences? Okay, well, look, if we're talking composers, then it's uh, Beethoven with a capital B. Okay. I'm a total Beethoven nut. Okay. Uh, and I was, I was trained to be a Beethoven nut by my father, and without any regrets, I think Beethoven is the absolute... He's he's the guy who was if you, and if you go into it he was he was also very concerned with mixing the old and the new. Uh, he made his reputation playing Bach basically. Right. Um, was where, you know he first got noticed as a pianist for his for his uh, interpretation of Bach. Aside from his his own music, obviously, and then at the end of his life, Handel as well started. A, you know, he started referencing Handel a lot, and also older music, uh, church music. If you listen to the the Missa Solemnis, and also the um, the late string quartets, he starts referencing church music, what would have been their idea of ancient music at the time. And so Beethoven, yes, and but I must I must admit that at the same time I've I've got a lot of pop music influences and I've got a lot of new music influences and I went I went through a lot of uh, uh, many years when I was I was listening very heavily to people like Tori Amos, who was doing absolutely amazing things in the late nineties, early two thousands. Right now, she's 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 got a bit more mainstream, but you know when when she, her first three albums were just they were kind of mold breaking albums, right? And they they really they really pulled me into a new way of of thinking about pop music. So basically, between between Beethoven and people like Tori Amos, and then I must admit that that the the minimalists. Once I got to university, just in the last years of high school, first years of university, I was listening to a lot of Michael Nyman, a lot of Philip Glass, uh, Steve Reich as well. But basically, Nyman and Glass. I don't know. And then, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then, latterly, I have to, I have to actually add that that um, after all of that, 
I kind of went through the whole minimalist phase and I came out the other end and I discovered Schnitke. Okay. And that was great. And that was that was just absolutely you know, it was it was beautiful to, to come out of all of that and all of the tonalism, the the reinvention of tonality and then to come out and, and it was it was the tango from the Faust Cantata okay. that really got me hooked on, on Schnitke because he was he was doing tonal things as well right. but he was taking it from a completely o- opposite angle he totally he pulled me in and as well there, there's a composer who's 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 mixing the old and the new all the yes. time it's funny like so you discovered Schnitke this was during varsity or after varsity it was actually during varsity i, I was going to say like it feels so up your alley i don't know just like i i love i love schnitke i haven't known like there's i can't remember if i've spoken about this on, on any of these before but there was a moment where i suddenly realized that i was trying to be schnitke without having heard any schnitke <laughs> where unfortunately that moment happened in a concert where it was the Sontonga quartet with uh, Nora Mulder who's a, a, a pianist who was visiting and they did a, a quintet of mine in the first half and the the second piece was the Schnitke quintet and there was just this moment of like oh my god it sounds the same fuck <laughs> like not in a like i could write like schnitke kind of way but it, it just is like a holy shit i did not realize that like what i was i was like i'm doing new things i'm pushing grants it's just like no you're not <laughs> I've actually had similar experiences, but uh, I always take it as like a, a kind of a positive confirmation. Like you're on the right track, dude. you know, you're, you know you're <laughs> right. going in the right direction. Yeah. Great minds think alike. <laughs> right. I, I prefer to see it that way. Yes. So I, mean, I, I thinking of Tori Amos and, and songwriting, like you write a, a lot of songs. I don't know. Am, am I wrong in thinking like, you know, there might be like sort of a Tom Waitsy inspiration or is that, am I just projecting because of, of no, Tom? No, you're, stuff? you're absolutely not projecting. And jeez, uh, Tom Waits, you know, is an absolute massive influence on popular music amongst musicians. I think he's yeah. had a, he's had an outsized influence. There's always the temptation to see music from from within one's ambit in the sense that we listen to tom waits and and uh and i I don't know i don't know which kind of guys you're listening to but um people who listen to tom waits are probably going to be listening to guys like nick cave right and david bowie and etc etc but this is this is not the musical experience of, of the great majority of humanity because the the musical experience of the great majority of humanity is despacito right so i'm always aware that you know like these guys have a huge influence but it's actually it's only really on on a small number of people amongst whom are the musicians i would say but yeah tom waits absolutely love tom waits i think lyrically a huge a huge influence and also in terms of style and and just sound world the the junkyard sound i i really i really like I I think unfortunately I had a a bit of a a, a bad in inverted commas introduction to people like Tom Waits. 
I have very strong memories, again, of, as like student days, being, <laughs> what did I think of that Eddie Izzard joke? I was a very driven lad, I was driven everywhere, um, but it's just like, still no driver's license, but driving with someone late at night, uh, I don't even remember Johnny Goldberg at all. Um, yeah, absolutely. Sort of dry, driving with him at 3 a.m. coming back from observatory blitzed out of my mind and just like, you know, let's do things and him blaring Tom Waits in the car yeah. and, and sort of getting like, oh, well, the man is a saxophone <laughs> solo. Oh, well, sax. It's like, geez, what is going on, man? Like, this is like... Um, so you sent uh, a song of yours, The Gollum, as a recent work, which I think kind of ties into what we were talking about. Well, at about the time I started experimenting with digital instruments. So everything is, is, is uh, using, using digital instruments and VSTs. Initially, I was, I was really, really into those things. Uh, I just thought they were great. They sounded great. Uh, lately, I'm, I've kind of fallen out of love with that whole world because I find it a bit... Uh, the the results are always they're a bit hollow. I think there's the, there's there's a hollowness to it. Using electronic stuff specifically, or well, specifically electronic stuff that's trying to be uh, not elect- trying to be acoustic, trying to pass itself off as right. a symphony orchestra. Right, right. So yeah, I, I think in, in in certain cases it's cool. Uh, certain cases it works. In certain cases it's what you're going to be doing because it's what the client wants. Yes, but. Generally, I'm not so enamored of it as I, as I was. But yeah, the, the song, I was messing around and the song actually was, I used the, the Gollum, I don't know if you're familiar with the legend, the Gollum of Prague. Uh, as in the, the actual story of the Gollum, yeah. sort of the, the Jewish, yeah. uh, so, Jewish folktale, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so basically the... the the Jews of Prague are, are, are under are under attack, and they're, they're, they they look to their rabbi for protection. And the the rabbi builds the golem, and uh, he he through through the use of, of, of magic, he gives the golem life. But the yeah. problem is the golem is like a robot, and the golem has to do whatever the rabbi tells it to. So the the story starts out, and he says like, "Go and get me some fish." And so the golem goes down to the river and night falls and the golem doesn't come back. And then the rabbi goes down to the river and he finds the, the golem is still busy taking out fish. And there's this mountain of fish next to the golem. And the golem doesn't know to stop because he wasn't told to stop. So right. he's a robot, basically. And in my in, in my brain at the time, and, and this was, I think it was about 2012, 2013, I just landed up in, in Spain and I'd fallen through the like it was the euro crisis and i arrived in spain end of 2011 beginning of 2012 was uh, kind of summer of 2012 which would have been june july august here was the bailout it was uh, the spanish government was bailed out by the european central bank and it was just like chaos it was just complete chaos in europe absolute chaos and i was busy consuming i was like trying to get my head around all of this understand all of this and I'd never really been into politics or been interested in it before, but Jesus Christ, you get yourself an education if you go through an ECB bailout or, a, or an IMF bailout for, right, that, right. for that matter. 
uh, which is something I would I would uh, I would uh, say that w we would like to avoid in South Africa, if possible. So the, the whole the whole song, if you listen to the lyrics, it it occurred to me that this was a very handy metaphor for the way in which people seem that their decisions are that they have no power over their lives that i you know that i'm only doing this because uh, someone else is playing the tune mm. uh, that i can't make choices that you know like I, I'm, I'm a victim of circumstance and that's really the genesis of the whole song you are the golem of drugs. and you will not be
to dance to the music I side thinking about what you're saying with the the electronic instruments something that i've tried to listen to so often because there really is no reason why i shouldn't like it there was a, a dave gilmore solo album that came out not too long ago a couple of years back um and they there's a moment by about like three tracks into the album where he uses a midi clarinet which could very easily have been played by a live musician. And every time I get to it, the, the programming is so cuck, so like Sibelius 4 kind of thing. <laughs> and like, I, it just baffles my fucking mind. You have member of Pink Floyd, one of the highest fucking paid bands in the history of music, couldn't spring a couple of fucking bucks to go hire a clarinetist. Yeah, like, but, but is he not Jesus. referencing Leonard Cohen? What's that? Is, isn't he referencing... I haven't heard the song. I've, I don't know, but could it not be referencing Leonard Cohen? I have no idea. <laughs> because, you know, you remember... Uh, fuck, what's the album? I can't remember the name of the album. But it's it's the famous one. Uh, first, we take Manhattan, the, then we take yeah, Berlin. Right, right. What's, the, what's the other one? The famous, the waltz. Uh, take this waltz? Take this waltz. Right. Yeah, uh, it's the same album, isn't it? But all I, of I, that I, was using like cheap electronic stuff, like in your face, <laughs> cheap right. electronic stuff. And I think he did it. It was a conscious choice, and he consciously was trying to make to shove in your face the fact that you know 
I could have, I could have, and, and it's a comment on the music industry. Right. I mean, a lot of it is a comment on the music industry, specifically that song. Right. Uh, first we take Manhattan, then we take Berlin. Right. So I, I don't know. Like in, I, in those I, instances, it, it makes sense to me, but I, it's in your face. Like this, I, I'm going to do cheap '80s <laughs> MIDI sounds. I, I would like to think there's this thought behind it, but part of me feels it's just a little bit like, well, the sound engineer has a cousin who's very good with MIDI, and <laughs> we'd like to get him on this album. But anyway, um, so like this is always sort of the, the tricky question. But as a composer, how do you survive or make a living? At the moment, I teach English. Right. Yeah, absolutely. At the moment, I teach English. I'm going to be perfectly blunt. As I say, I arrived in Spain, end of 2011, 2012. It was the worst possible moment to arrive in Spain right. uh, because the unemployment was, it was, it had the second or third highest unemployment rate of the entire planet at that right, stage. Right. You know, like, uh, behind Greece and South Africa, basically. And the entire industry, like the music industry, I was looking at the figures the other day, and they it basically halved in size right. over two years. So there, there was there was not a lot of, of work, and yeah, like a whole lot of a whole lot of other reasons. I I, I I I found myself like just in a position where I had to I had to do something to like, right, right. support my support my daughter, etc., etc., etc. So I'm I'm teaching English, absolutely happy about that. But and at the same time, uh, I, I compose when when I'm commissioned to do so, and also you know doing stuff for my for my own enjoyment and edification several projects on the go uh, and working working a lot these days with choirs actually i'm doing a lot of choral music okay. which i'm actually i've discovered a new world which i i i'd sung in Shongololo, but i didn't i didn't realize what i was doing while i was doing it okay something i i feel i need i need to definitely bring up just because i the eyebrows raised quite a bit when i saw it so obviously you you write for commission and you work and collaborate with other groups and stuff. The Antwort, you have a song called "She Makes Me a Killer." Apparently, yeah. yeah how yeah, yeah. how did uh, that come about? Now, how did I meet Wadi? Now we knew, now we knew each other in Cape Town. This is sort of like Max Normal days, then, or uh, during university I'd met him right. once or twice, and then. Dan Roberts was was a common contact. Dan Roberts is a producer. He's worked with like a whole lot of guys in Choburg. He's quite a quite a connected guy, and he put me in a room with with uh, with Wadi. And the first thing was was we had to do we had to orchestrate Ninja. Oh, uh, is this for the Samas? It's for the Samas. Yeah. yeah, that was the first thing. And then after that, uh, they said like, listen, do you wanna do you wanna collaborate on a track? And then basically we, we we just we were in the studio together and and I was pulling out chords and changes and sounds etc 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 and he was saying like no it should be like that no it should be like that and then <laughs> okay. finally finally came out with a song and and a song which you know to these days I'm pretty sure thinking about it the other day like these days it's definitely not woke enough right but back in the day it was it was lacquer. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you you mentioned stuff like the uh, the summer uh, performances and things like that. What 
is your favourite performance memory of a work of yours, be it the rehearsal process or be it the actual, the gig itself? Do you know, these days, I'm finding it more and more rewarding just to, 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 to listen to people. And it's the thing is, working with choirs, choirs are massively more intimate affairs than instrumental ensembles, right. I find. And on a personal, emotional level, the kind of emotional feedback I get, I get in a choir situation is actually, it's, it's immensely rewarding. And so if I do an arrangement or, or I write something and I do it with one of my choirs, it's like I find that these days I'm enjoying it a lot more than I used to. Right. As far as, it, as, as a specific performance goes, God, I can't think of any offhand, but I can, I can absolutely tell you that, that it's, I'm, I'm enjoying it more and more. That's yeah, no, that's fantastic. It it is it's interesting what you're saying about the choir going the choir route. I mean, I've I've just I've never been involved in something like that. I I don't really write a lot of vocal music. Um, I've written song cycles and stuff like that, but never sort of choral stuff. Or well, they they are, but I I choose to forget that I have them kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, you know, my my father always spoke as an as an orchestral musician. My father always spoke disparagingly about choirs because they were usually uh, made up of of a large number of amateurs, and and he also spoke very disparagingly about choir directors. You know, as if these people were you know failed conductors. You know, couldn't couldn't get a foot in the door in the orchestra, so ended up taking a choir. Right. And I took that to heart, and that, that was my point of view uh, when I was studying. Um, and then I came to Spain, and I, I, I started working with choirs. And I was wrong. I was just so absolutely wrong. And specifically, the, the emotional human element is, is it's like 110%. They've turned it up to 11. And it's a beautiful experience. And I would, I would just recommend it to any composer. Work, work with choirs because the, it gets you closer to the human aspect of music in its in its like rawness there's nothing between the the musician and the instrument there's the the body is the instrument everything is totally incorporated in the musician you know it, i also have, i have this theory which i've been sort of working out I might be completely wrong here, but I think as a composer, a great way to get an audience is to work with the choir. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it sounds stupid, but it, it's like, you know, if you're versus playing in a string quartet, you know, <laughs> you you only have so many friends who will come to this Absol- thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You yeah. know, the, the, the choir is always inviting their whole family. <laughs> exactly. About 30 or 40 of them to start out with. So, right. yes. No, no. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it's it, it's a good way to to get your stuff out there. What's your favorite piece? Well, uh, you know, the 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 stuff I did early on at university has to be up there. And then lately, I'm I'm busy writing at the moment choir music, which I think is rather good. Right. And I'd like someone to tell me yes or no, but I, I I'm I'm enjoying writing it at the moment, and and I'm enjoying. It's like I'm totally, totally centered now in this choir thing, and I'm just, you know, churning out one after the other, and it, I feel, I feel really good about it. And I, I don't know if, uh, if, if I'm going to say that it's better or, or not. My favorite piece. Oh. 
God, that's a hard question. Well, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the soundtrack to Animals as an example. Well, yeah, no, that that was a lot of fun actually. That I I enjoyed that because uh, I think I I did something I did something new there. I I, I enjoyed the whole the whole kind of tongue-in-cheek aspect of that I, I enjoyed the fact that i that i wasn't really taking myself that seriously and i think because i wasn't taking myself that that seriously i produced some good music you know mateus i actually find it very hard to enjoy my own music okay but in some cases like like animals i, I, I think i did i did okay there you know i i've listened to you've got the two tracks up that you put on on soundcloud i've listened to balloon and and the opening pretty often and they say like when we were when we were looking at there was that radiohead concert that we did yeah. the permission thing i remember at the time and i think like whoever follows me on facebook is probably very grateful for that i've kind of slowed down on the daily punting of gigs because I, I just, <clears throat> I remember at the time building up to the Radiohead it was just like, here are the top ten greatest Radiohead songs ever fucking list written, ah! <laughs> like spew, spew, spew. <laughs> and while I was doing that, I was also including sort of like, and here are composers of works that we're doing, and you know, and that I think was one of the tracks that I shared. But yeah, like what we were saying earlier, that sort of combination of like the eight bits and the harpsichord. And the first time, I think it's in the opening, the first time that eight bit comes in after sort of the, the short introduction, it's just like, ah, uh-huh, okay, like, where's this going? This is fucking cool. Like, yeah, I don't know. No, thank, no thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I, the play, it, 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 it was suggested to me by the play itself. The play was, was by a new um, British playwright called Emma Adams. And the whole thing is, is like a dystopian future in which uh, resources are scarce and you have to justify your existence. And uh, old people are basically taken out to pasture uh, <laughs> by the government. And uh, there are these two old biddies that share a house with, with um, there's a, a very young girl, uh, a child that shares it with them. And uh, they end up, <laughs> basically it's a story of cannibalism <laughs> in a dystopian British future in which there's, you know, socialism taken to its extreme and there's not much to go around. And I, I just thought, you know, well, I, I like the harpsichord. I think it sounds cool. It's a, it's a great instrument. Uh, I love this, the sounds that it makes. And, and it, it also says little old lady. It screams little old lady. <laughs> and, and then the whole 8-bit thing was just dystopian future written all over it. And I thought that they just meshed really, really well. Thank you. 
what is the best advice that you've ever received from a teacher or a mentor? Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my tongue in my cheek to answer that first off. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the tongue-in-cheek answer and then I'll give you a real answer. How's that? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> when, when I was about 16, my dad was teaching at, in, at a music school in Johannesburg. And one of his friends, uh, like I would, I would wander in after school and I'd be in like the staff room. And, and, and it, was, it was a terribly edifying experience just to be around a whole lot of musicians, professional musicians, great, great musicians. And I walked in, and, and uh, one of his friends, a trumpeter, who's now has now moved off to Australia, I think, and he's playing in orchestras there. And I'm trying to remember his name, and it speaks badly of me that I can't. And he said to me, "So, what are you thinking of doing after you you, you get out of school?" And I said, oh, well, "I want to study music. I want to be a musician." And he said, "No, don't do that." <laughs> right. <laughs> so that, that that's the tongue-in-cheek answer. I you know the the guy great trumpeter awesome musician and then he says to me like no, no dude, you really, you're not thinking straight eh? you're not thinking straight right. and then people people i can't think of a, a specific piece of advice but i can think of people who i've been in contact with and they've had a great influence on me and i'm thinking of Stuart rainier at uct who wasn't who wasn't teaching i had a, i had one or two lectures when he stood in to give us history of music, and he did the, did the Beethoven symphonies. Right. I don't know if you if you ever had had Stuart Rainier for anything. No, I don't think so. The guy was just he was an absolute gem of a human being, an absolute gem of an academic. And his lectures on the Beethoven symphonies were beautiful. His thesis is basically they're just uh, you know one joke after the next, and he underlines the humor in Beethoven, which I think a lot of people just overlook. And I think it's terribly important because it, it brings you into contact with the humanity. It brings him brings Beethoven back to human scale, if you if you can laugh along with him. And then we had a series of, of conversations in like the pick and pay in Rondebosch, where he would like I would be buying something and he'd stop me, and then we just like natter on about Wagner for an hour in the pick and pay, and it was just. <laughs> It was really a, a, a great experience, and he said some very, very encouraging things to me as a young composer, saying, you know, like, just, you know, you're doing the right thing. Keep going. Keep going. A lot of encouragement and right. uh, something that I remember very fondly. So to put it on, on the, the other shoe, as it were, or the, <laughs> is that even an analogy? I'm leaving that in. Uh, to put the shoe <laughs> on the other foot, um, as it were, what would you suggest to an as aspiring composer or to the South African new music scene as a whole? Okay, well, to new comp composers, write as much as you can. Practice your craft. Composing is... It's like anything else. The more you do of it, the easier it will, it will become. There's a great quote that I like by Martin Amos, the, the English novelist. And he says, the art of writing is the art of applying bum to seat. I'm pretty much in that school of thinking. I don't think there's much mystery to it. I think it's just you do it as much as you can and it becomes easier. You can't have anything performed if you don't have anything to perform yeah so just keep writing and your your instincts will will take you in the right direction yeah. and then for new music in south africa well I, you know i've been out of the country for a long time 
I'm not so sure how the scene is there at the moment. You would know much better than me, actually. Oh, I mean, I'm just curious, isn't like from from your perspective. I mean, obviously, you you were here. It's not as if, <laughs> and not much has changed. I must be honest. I think ven- more venues have closed, but I I remain optimistic. I think there is some life in it still. I mean, otherwise, I guess I wouldn't be doing this. It makes sense. Yeah, and 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 more more strength to you. I I would say like listen, there is one thing that I that that I would I would make a comment on, which is possibly I don't know if I'm sticking my neck out too far here, but I think in South Africa there is a tendency to go one of two ways, and it's a weird thing they do. The Spanish do it as well. There is a superiority inferiority complex. So we believe like there's there's. Half half the time we believe we're like punching above our weight. We're awesome. We we're you know we're a new, unique country. This is this is an amazing place, and the stuff that we produce is just absolutely incredible. It can't be compared because we are who we are, and our situation is unique, and therefore our music is going to be unique, and nice. we are the darlings of the world. And so there's this kind of superiority to it which sometimes translates itself actually as a superiority complex and then you have an inferiority complex which is like oh but you know we're just like at the end of the the african continent and you know well we're so hopelessly behind the rest and we're so hopelessly behind the fashion and, and you know the trends start in europe and only 20 years later they get here and we don't have as much money and we don't have as much infrastructure and we don't nice. have as much this and we don't have as much that and they're closing all the orchestras etc 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 so i would i would say be wary of that eh? because the truth is 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 infinitely more complicated and it's neither one nor the other and, right, and right. i think some people are actually able to hold both of those opinions at the same time i, I, I see this happening <laughs> i don't know i i i do agree i think there's definitely there's definitely sort of like we do have a lot to offer i think and i this is also sort of Partly why I'm doing this is I think there is, you know, it, it's a thing of like, as you say, that infer- inferiority of like, oh, well, you know, we don't have many composers and blah, 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 and the groups are falling down and whatever. I just think there is a little bit of a, I don't know, I could be projecting again, a lack of awareness of what exactly it is we have, the the resources, the 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 composers that exist. It, it's that mm. thing of like you know if if you it's like constantly eating the same food it's like well i like pizza and like let's just eat pizza and it's just like you know i'm a little bit bored of pizza it's just like well that's all we have it's like actually there's a shop next door i said that's all we have it's yeah like, okay yeah, fine yeah. fine pizza we'll have pizza you know so yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't know if i made any sense with that analogy but it, it worked for me uh, <laughs> no, no, no 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 absolutely no I can, no you got you, you you hit the nail on the head you hit the nail on the head i think i think in south africa it's it's the new music audience is very small but i don't think it's significantly smaller than it is say for example in spain right the difference is that in spain we have a trillion dollar economy and that you can actually create artificially support which would not otherwise exist so i you know i've heard i've heard stories about um one guy was telling me like his his friend's metal band in sweden receives a state subsidy 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like it's you know I've got a metal band. We we grow our hair and we have like long beards and we we, we wear black leather, and we're you know we 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 play like really really fast, <laughs> and we get a state we get a state subsidy. And yeah. That's absolutely unthinkable in SA. Yeah. Unthinkable. And you're right, you're absolutely right. The, you know the, there there is a lot of talent in SA, a lot of talent, and I, I see it also in terms of just general musicianship. Yeah. General musicianship. South Africans have they've got a thing, they've got a chias, they've got a vibe, which I don't see in Spanish musicians. Right. Yeah. That's that's talking about one of the you know like. I would say that the Spanish have more chias than the Italians, for the for for example. And um, the Italians who are listening to this, can, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to take that up in 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 the, in the DMs with them. <laughs> I mean, like something something that I love telling, and and I I don't know, it it kind of just been my experience. I'm sure other people have had this as well. Some of the worst performances I have ever ever seen in my life happened in New York. And this is sort of like, I mean, obviously there were some spectacular fucking shows there as well. Like, make no mistake. But it, there is this thing of like, it, it happens overseas, therefore it must be better. Yeah. And it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no, no. The the story that I love telling is there was a performance that I saw of Barbara of Seville. Um, a friend of mine was playing in the orchestra. It was a very small kind of production, but... It was an opera production, nonetheless, in a small theater put together. And I don't know what was going on. I don't, I really don't know if someone was sort of like depping. I'm pretty certain it wasn't final dress. I'm pretty certain this was like we're in performance now. But the guy who played the Count, every time. So the first time it happened, there was a ripple in the audience. You'd have harpsichord, Richard Tativ coming. Harpsichord, silence. Conductor, singer, carry on. <laughs> First time that happened, you're like, whoo, phew, okay, like this, what well, happens? It happened four times, four or five times. Every single fucking recitative, crunch, uh, from the pit, and he'd carry on. And it's just like Jesus, guys! Like this is this is a performance. Like what the hell is going on? Maybe understudy. I don't know, but it it is just a thing of like it happens everywhere, and just yeah. because it's like on the other end of the world does not necessarily mean that it's like oh it was spotless. Frankly, and I don't know if 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 this is an unpopular opinion, I sometimes find like seeing live at any rate some world class orchestras. There is a certain energy that is lacking that you don't, as you said, that chiss, as it were, that you get here, which you don't get there. Everything is precise. Everything is like clean as and yeah. fucking spotless, but yeah. Yeah. the energy is not there. And I know I've had yeah. people saying it's like it's everything from like you're almost it's drilled out of you to be musical. You're not allowed to stand out from the ensemble, as it were. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it, it is just that they like. And this is the the last of my before I get off my soapbox because I, I forget I'm at the wrong meeting that happens on a Tuesday at the docks. But <laughs> the point is that I I remember trying and I haven't quite verbalized this. I think even almost a decade later, the notion of like it, I I was standing in uh here's a name drop MoMA, um in New York and I was standing in front of like a Picasso, and I remember thinking 
in South Africa, if you were to bring like one of these paintings to South Africa, you'd have people flocking to go and see it. And just that sort of like not being aware of what we have here. And it's like, I, again, like this is all sort of like half thoughts and I've had like five hours sleep. So, I mean, for all I know, I'll listen back to this. It's like, oh, here's another thing why Disney is destroying culture. But it is just like, yeah, I don't know. It It is just that sort of to to get that enthusiasm to try and. I don't know, to, to make clear, like, guys, what we have on our front steps is is really good. Um, no, no, absolutely, so, absolutely, yeah. 100%. And, and the, the observation about technicality is something that I see reinforced in my, my experiences here. Like, I've, I've got a little Kletzma project that we're busy working on, and the guys are really good musicians. Yeah. Technically, they're, like, they're down, they've got their crap down but i miss the rock and roll i miss the the i miss the gears i miss the spirit i miss the the this the idea that that you know like i'm gonna take music and the music is me like doing something using the music to express something yeah you know it's you're not you're not up there and you're not the music is not something that you do okay the music is a means of of like communicating as a human being with other human beings and you have to tell a story you have to you have to be present yeah yeah and a lot of guys in Europe they're absolutely awesome technical musicians but they don't tell a story yes i mean, like a, a lot of the times i think there there is that certain energy that comes also from like something being under rehearsed and under like number wise like i i think yeah. there's I think it was uh, Pete De Beer, the violinist, who turned to someone like as they were about to play like a Mahler symphony with eight first violins, and uh, like sort of turned to someone next to him and's like, you know, come, we we've got this fucker, let's go, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> make the sound of thirty, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I'd say, come on. And, and, you know, I, you read stories about German orchestras back in the day, and they had a bit of that, you know, and I don't see it any, anymore. Uh, well, at least not, not here, not so much. Right. Like that, that kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so these are the questions that I ask everybody. And yeah. what I like to do at the end is I get audience members or people who listen to this to send me questions. If you have like something that you've always wanted to ask any composer, and if you want to reach me, you can get me on Twitter at Bat Composer, or I'm on Facebook, or I'm on Instagram. I decided to pick a nice, easy one for you. Oh, thank you. Which is, what is the purpose of music? So yeah, nice did you hang up? You. No. And uh, it was a really good chat. But thanks. For yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for you. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> okay, wait, hang on. I can find it. I, I, no, 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 look, I'll, I'll give it a bash. But listen, Jesus Christ! I mean, like, I did polish off a bottle of wine last night, and and like there, you know, like I live next to a construction zone, and the purpose of music. There's a great Beethoven quote. Okay. So the, the, the Beethoven quote is, is the one that I stand by and it sounds highfalutin and it sounds terribly spiritual, <laughs> but uh, it's the one I stand by. And, and the purpose of music, according to Beethoven, is 
to more closely approach what he calls the Godhead. You can call it whatever you want to call it, okay? <laughs> to try and get closer to that thing as close as you possibly can as a human being and then to transmit some of that closeness to other people. And that's Beethoven. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say it better than he did. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> so if... You have uh, upcoming shows or anything to punt? Well, if you guys are going to be in Spain, <laughs> <laughs> you never. I don't I've know you. This is on the twenty fourth with my with my choir in in uh, we, we 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 rehearse in a town called Miraflores, which is some of the some of the Spanish works out beautifully in Afrikaans. It is translating Spanish to English is hard, but translating to Afrikaans is actually a lot easier. So uh, we we rehearse in a town called Miraflores, which is basically Cape Bloma. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we rehearse in Cape Bloma, and we're having a concert the, on the twenty fourth of February, which is my next thing. But I assume that the majority of you, or well, your audience, is not going to be in Spain. Strangely enough. <laughs> There, you know, I, I see who listens to this, and there are, like, Europeans amongst, among it. So, you know, who, whoever is, is within audible reach can find this. Otherwise, if people wanted to follow, like, to follow outpourings of you, I know you've got a SoundCloud page. Where is best to follow you for upcoming concerts and stuff? Probably Facebook, I suppose. Okay. Uh, I, I don't actually use the social media thing very much. I actually... I'm totally disconnected from all of that at the moment. Okay. It probably, probably explains why you sound so chipper. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you.